Welcome back to Eye on Health. On Dubai Eye 103.8. With Arab Health. You're listening to Dubai Eye 103.8. This is Eye on Health with me, Helen Farmer, in association with Arab Health and MedLab Middle East. We're bringing together some of the best brains in the business and taking an eye on the future as we discuss the impact of technology, of digitization, and really what might be happening behind the scenes that could be impacting your health today and tomorrow too. Joining us now from NABTA Health is the founder and CEO, Sophie Smith. Now, so for anyone that's not familiar with your platform, it is very much focused on females. We're also looking a lot at chronic diseases in emerging markets. Can you tell us a little bit about some of the work you've done thus far and, and how it all started? When I moved to the region, we were looking at um, potential gaps or opportunities in the market. And one that we quickly established was in the field of women's health. Um, if you look at some of the stats still now for women's health in the region, they're, they're poor, not necessarily um, in comparison to the rest of the world, but in general, 80% of breast cancers diagnosed at stage four, 40% of women not attending a single antenatal appointment. And one of the main reasons for this is that if women historically have been excluded from clinical research and trials, they have been most excluded here. Only 19% of clinical trial participants are female, and the vast majority of clinical trials are conducted in the U.S., Europe and the Far East. Mm. So there is very little representation of women of Middle Eastern, African and South Asian origin. So we thought, why don't we build a platform that can effectively serve the needs of women here? Um, and when we looked at the different pain points that women had, the different problems, the areas where the health outcomes were the worst, we realized that the thing that kept coming up time and time again was poorly managed chronic disease. Things like diabetes, polycystic ovary syndrome, autoimmune conditions, metabolic diseases like obesity or insulin resistance. And we thought, if this system that we have today isn't working for women, what can we build that will? And so we've created a woman-centric and woman-led model of care that allows women to access holistic health care to support them with the management of chronic diseases at home, at work, and also in clinics. One of the questions we got asked a lot at the beginning was, well, in this very technologically savvy, very well-educated population in the UAE, what you're building makes a lot of sense. Um, it's very accessible to people, but how are you going to reach people in sub-Saharan Africa? We started with the goals that women have, because maybe you don't understand that the fact that you're tired all the time could be the symptom of a disease. Maybe you don't understand that the fact that you haven't had a period for two years could be the symptom of a disease, but you do know what you want for your health. I'd like to lose weight. I'm trying to fall pregnant. I want to understand why I'm suffering recurrent miscarriages. And so we've developed artificial intelligence at this level, at the, 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 the point at which women specify their health goal. And from there, we can map back particular symptoms and particular conditions to allow women to understand those conditions and then manage them effectively in the context of her goal. I'd like to come back to your example there of PCOS because you have been working on a hybrid clinical pathway, as you call it. Can you explain the impact of that so far? Um, we had come up with our kind of hybrid healthcare model that focused on the clinical pathway. And the reason why that's relevant is because it's infrastructure agnostic. A clinical pathway is how a doctor today will take someone from healthy living through de prevention, detection, diagnosis, treatment, rehabilitation. 
It's the, it's the tool that they use to effectively treat a disease. What doctors do today is they use the tools that are available to them to treat the disease, and that can be different depending on whether the doctor is in an established Western market or if they're in the middle of nowhere in a developing country. And so we thought, how can we combine digital and traditional healthcare along these clinical pathways, kind of in a location-dependent way to allow them to more effectively manage disease? And we arrived at this decision, um, arrived at this model in around July 2018, right at the time where I was trying to conceive my second baby. And we've been trying for two or three months without success. My cycles were very irregular. I was using a a vaginal fertility monitor at home and I knew I wasn't ovulating and I thought this is a bit strange so I went to see a doctor and she ran a bunch of tests and I was diagnosed with insulin resistant polycystic ovary syndrome and honestly it blew my mind because we'd been looking at PCOS as a potential candidate for um, kind of clinical pathway redevelopment for a while I would never in a million years have assumed that I had it but it's incredibly common because the two main underlying factors are insulin resistance and inflammation, which are two things that the majority of the population lives with. And so I thought, well, if someone like me, who's extremely health conscious, who is building in this space, can end up with a condition like PCOS... And and be blindsided by that. And be completely blindsided by it, then then it could happen to anybody. Mm -hmm. And actually, the the method that I used to diagnose and manage my PCOS and ultimately fall pregnant was very effective and much more effective than traditional methods. Um, On average, it takes about two and a half years and three doctor visits to successfully diagnose PCOS. And by using this fertility monitor and then having a, a specific blood test and then checking for the underlying factors and then having a trigger shot, the total time that it took me from starting to use the monitor to falling pregnant was about 30 days. Wow. Um, And so we thought, well, if we can effectively diagnose and treat PCOS, we can identify the underlying factors. Probably we can help a lot of women who had a similar goal to me at the time, um, which was falling pregnant. Wow, that's incredible. And thank you for sharing that. I think, you know, we can talk all the data in the world, but I think having someone talking about through their lived experience is is really, really powerful, to be honest. I want to come back to the UAE as a whole, if you don't mind, Sophie, because... Medical tourism, as we know, and the various forms it takes, are, is a really key part of the healthcare strategy for this part of the world. What about healthcare startups, you know, and thinking about tech in particular? So I think when I think about medical tourism, I think about it in two different ways. There's things that we build here in the UAE that can attract people to the UAE to spend here. And there's sort of reverse medical tourism where we're building things here that can then be exported to the rest of the world. Mm and where we can become known for medical excellence that can then in and of itself become a reason for people to come here and build here and learn here with us. So I think healthcare startups have a couple of roles in the medical tourism space. They can build things that very effectively treat specific conditions that are then a reason for people to come and be treated here. And they can also build things that are kind of globally challenging in terms of in terms of their effectiveness that they can then export first across emerging markets and then to the rest of the world any examples of some good homegrown health tech startups that we might have heard of or that we haven't heard of but might have felt the impact of adding value to the UAE's economy or even changing the perception of the UAE in the healthcare space yeah so there's a really excellent one 
Um, it's an it's an integrated um, diabetes management platform um, or a hybrid healthcare platform for diabetes called Glucare, set up by Ali Hashmi and Ihsan Al Mazuki. Um, they started with a very high tech, um, I guess, diabetes treatment facility that put people again through quite a specific clinical pathway for the diagnosis and management of diabetes and the underlying factors. Um, and now they're introducing the first subscription-based model for diabetes care, um, definitely in the UAE, I think probably the wider region as well. And they've had huge demand, not just from other countries in the GCC, but now in Europe, to export this very effective diabetes management model to other parts of the world. When you say subscription model, what, what does that look like? So I think subscription-based healthcare is probably the future of healthcare. Healthcare treatment today is very expensive. Even with comprehensive insurance coverage, there are plenty of things about health that are not necessarily supported. Mm-hmm. Nowhere is this more true than with women. Um, you know, it's funny, as soon as you said that, I was like, menopause. Yes. <laughs> menopause is a big one. Hormone replacement therapy, um, postpartum care, Absolutely. not provided or covered as standard. Um, anything around fertility advice or treatment, um, anything around menstrual health or family planning. And increasingly, because chronic disease is becoming so prevalent, a lot of things that are chronic disease related or indicators of the likelihood of developing chronic disease are not covered. Think about vitamin D tests. You know, a significant portion of the population here is vitamin D deficient. And vitamin D deficiency is correlated with infertility. It's correlated with an increased likelihood of diabetes with a whole raft of conditions that the insurance market doesn't want to support or treat. And if you think about the the fact that women still hold the majority of caregiving responsibilities, it's not just the healthcare that you, of yourself that you're managing, it's of your children, often your, your other relatives. Um, the fact is that, and this is not unique to the UAE at all, it's a global issue, healthcare today was not designed to support chronic disease. It was designed to support acute diseases. So you go into a facility, the doctor diagnoses you with a disease, they treat that disease, and then the disease goes away, and so do you. Mm-hmm. But chronic diseases don't go away. And they don't go away often, no matter how many drugs you prescribe, how many procedures you recommend. People with um, chronic disease who go to facilities often become 100% reliant on that facility to continue to medicate and support them. And that's not sustainable. But there needs to be support from corporate side. There needs to be government link up. We've seen this in the UK. Um, PPP, for anyone who's not familiar with it, the public um, private partnership, that that infrastructure really came into play during COVID-19. And I, I wondered if there's any lessons to be learned from the NHS there. My father has been in the NHS for a very long time. Traditionally, all of the contracts that the NHS used to award to third parties were multi-million dollar contracts, you know, hundreds of millions of dollars. And then during COVID, the NHS was so squeezed, it was like, we've got to do something about this. And suddenly it started awarding contracts for COVID-19 testing, for e-prescriptions, for dozens and dozens of different things to startups. And so of the over 500 new supply or suppliers that it signed contracts with during COVID, 292 were new. And that was something totally unheard of. And it now means that within the UK, there's actually a very dynamic ecosystem and a buoyant relationship between the private sector and the public sector in the provision of care. And I think it's something very interesting 
um, that we should see more of and that I hope will be explored um, in the Gulf in the coming years because the only way that you nurture health tech innovation in the long term is by allowing it to become part of the fabric of the country. Mm -hmm. And the only way that happens is if those innovations are accepted by the existing private sector and by the public sector. Um, we see a lot of activity now in Abu Dhabi um, with a lot of support for health tech innovation from the likes of Hub 71, from Plug and Play. I want to look lastly to the future. And I just wondered in terms of the work that you are doing at NABTA Health and also um, some of your colleagues and contemporaries around the world, what impact um, do you think that's going to have on generation or generations to come? At the moment, because of the growing prevalence of chronic disease, because of pollutants in the environment, fertility is declining very rapidly. Male fertility globally is tending to zero by 2040. The average sperm count in men in the West has dropped by 50% in the last 30 years. And if we don't do something about the way that we live, it will continue to decline. In emerging markets, this process is actually happening faster. Probably still in the Middle East, Africa, South Asia, people are more fertile and having more children. But because fast food is becoming so accessible so quickly, because smartphones are penetrating so fast and so people are entertaining themselves in totally stationary ways, um, this process of fertility decline is actually happening faster. And a recent survey by Frost and Sullivan indicated that by 2032, 97% of women will struggle to fall pregnant. That's our kids. That's our kids. So many families here have family offices. And the sole purpose of a family office is to create long-lasting stability for future generations. If there's any part of the world that can solve this problem of chronic disease, that can build effectively for future generations, not just here, but in emerging markets and globally as well, it, it's the Gulf, it's the UAE. Well, thank you on that and wonderful legacy that you're creating as well. Sophie Smith, thank you so much. Really do appreciate your time here on Eye on Health. Eye on Health. With Arab Health. On Dubai Eye 103.8.